Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. I'm Chris Pitzer. And today, man, we're going to be looking at Son of Origins from the great Chris Pitzer's uh, collection. But first, I want to invite you guys to like, follow, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Uh, this helps mitigate the kayfabe effect, uh, which might be an effect for this comic we're looking at right here today. Uh, what the kayfabe effect is, is what happens whenever we talk about a comic, put a video out there. Uh, the people who are notified and get delivered these videos have first dibs on eBay, Amazon, and online comic shops to purchase these comics at the cheapest prices. By the end of the day, the price can be an order of magnitude higher than what it was uh, that morning. So subscribe to the videos, be, get notified. And if you watch these videos to the end, that gooses the YouTube algorithm. It lets uh, YouTube know that it's a valuable comic book video that they then push onto other comic book loving YouTube watchers, man. Helps us grow the channel, helps make it possible for us to keep continuing to bring you guys uh, new videos on a regular basis. But Son of Origins of Marvel Comics. First off, title's a mouthful. <laughs> That's what, very true. What the hell is that, Son of Origins? <laughs> I feel like they could have used a second draft on that title. Well, there was an Origins book, but for some reason, I think this was the first one I got. And that name, Son of Origins, is so great. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like a throwback to the uh, like the 30s and 40s Universal Monster movie kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> uh, what are we looking at here, man? This is a John Romita painting. How many of them are there? I mean, did he do many covers where he painted them? Can't I think. can't think of any other John Romita paintings. I'm sure there are a few. Uh, you know, and I see this, and it makes me think of guys like Steve Rude, different mm -hmm. different guys Definitely, who do a little yeah. bit of painting yeah. on on uh, every once in a while. But yeah, it's kind of cool to see Romita painting. I think I think it speaks to the 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 chops of of the old school illustrators of comics who had to be proficient in all sorts of media. Uh, certainly, a lot of people who were making comics in the 60s didn't want to be making comics. They wanted some more highfalutin, Madison Avenue, Mad Men type jobs, doing mock-ups for Wrigley Spearmint gum ads and whatnot, man. Not doing lowly comics. So you had to have some chops with, with all of that. Looks like acrylic, you think? Maybe? I, I have there's no some, idea. There's some thick-ass paint on there. Yeah. Gouache? Could be. I don't know what they would have been would have had around the uh, Marvel bullpen, but it's an interesting cover when you think of like what comic book covers looked like at this time. This is sometime in the '70s. This would have come out, and you know you have kind of bombast, and I think of Gil Kane and figures flying everywhere. They were trying to do something different with these covers, you know, yeah. like this was going in a different market, and they recognized it. So I, I commend them for that because. Man, when I'm reading comics in the uh, late '80s and '90s, it's like they had forgotten that lesson with some of the the, the book design. And of course, all these comics by Stan Lee. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Licensed by Fireside. I don't know what Fireside is an imprint of. Which which are the top five publishers it's a part of? But it's a it's proper New York book publisher, man. And I guess uh, Son of Origin implies by the cover. Believe it or not, this is the B list. You say Spider Man. This ain't so so like Iron Man. He was a B lister. It's hard to get that across to people these days. That uh, you know the Avengers, wick wick whack. The X Men, absolutely B listers before uh, they started re redoing those comics. The other thing I'll point out: this is all Pitzer love. Yeah. This this was given to me probably what six or seven years old, brand new, and just the crease on the cover coming across, you know away from the spine. And I always love this logo too. Is that fire? I, guess I think fireside. that's related to Fireside, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it means. I should look that up. It's shocking to me that, like, they start Simon and Schuster. There, there it is. Right there. Yeah. They Makes start sense, man. 
publishing these in the 70s, they do, I don't know, 6, 8, something like that. Oh, look, it's what, second edition? I'm sorry, Jim. Why does this go away? Yeah. I look at this and go, oh, yeah, every Christmas this would have been the perfect thing for, for Grandma to buy the grandson. Still and, to this day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yet it just it stops. It's like they experimented and it didn't work, except, I don't know, man, I still see these things. I think it did work. I feel like there's certainly a legacy for it, but nevertheless... It's it's uh, they could have had perennials going from the seventies on, and yet somehow the book market, they they turn away from it for decades. It's interesting because I believe Fireside, uh, Shaman and Schuster, same publisher as How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. They allow that one to stay right. to stay in print, <laughs> and it I can't imagine it did bad for them to keep that in print over the years. This was not accessible right. To, right. to you yeah. or I, Jimmy. It was out of print probably, right? Completely. Yeah. But yeah. I would see it in those ads. And, totally. and going through Hulk, like going through that era, I mean, there there are ads for this in every single issue whenever, you know, for a couple of years when this is up and running. Is that the superhero company selling those? I can't remember who's selling them or even if it's just Marvel pushing them, like right, in, right. you know, in like the Stan Soapbox kind of announcement area. But I mean, they, they, they got a push from uh, Marvel main Marvel offices and I don't know I guess they just didn't sell the way they maybe Simon and Schuster hoped I don't, I'm not sure the reason is that one Lichtenstein piece <laughs> right there it's kind of mashed up with some kind of uh, I don't know Doom Patrol image or something it's like as a youth some panels just stuck with me yeah one was the Iceman is Snowman oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. then the next one is uh, this you know yes. how, how did Angel get around it's like that's how he lived yeah man <laughs> That's good stuff. That's the tortured superhero know, of Marvel right? Comics. There, there is, there is magic in them Thor Hills, man. When it comes to the Stan and Jack uh, superhero comics, I, I got a big couple of boxes of uh, random comics, lots of Silver Age DC, and what the, the pathos of the uh, the Marvel comics. It really does add a, an important dimension to the the superhero genre. That was our X-Men number one. We might even have a video of that comic uh, on the channel somewhere. This is another one, Ed, you mentioned like the B-listers for whenever this <laughs> book would have been published. Like, think of Iron Man at this point now and the way he, he would be like a, stay, a pillar exactly. of the Marvel Universe. Exactly what I'm saying, man. And uh, this kind of stuff is, was magic to me when I was, when I was like developing my comics education, knowing what the what would it have been the secret wars toy uh iron man that might be my introduction to iron man so then when you see this it's automatically intriguing to me i gotta see i gotta see what that's about i, I love the sort of prototypes of the characters like seeing those x-men in that outfit like i was excited about that kind of thing and it is a good uh way to kind of sell you on 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 these particular brands Cartoonist Kayfabe is sponsored by the comic books Ed Piscor and I make. If you want to support Cartoonist Kayfabe, pick up our comics and books wherever you buy them. Red Room. Starting with Red Room, the Antisocial Network, Season 1 of Ed's Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit. Trigger Warning. Season 2 is now in stores everywhere. This is Issue number 1. Issue 2 also available. Issue 3 coming next month. And uh, available wherever you buy comics, except for banned in seven comic stores. Uh, hopefully that number's not rising, but you never know. Well, you know what? The cool thing about it rising is that the bigger comic shops heard about that stuff, tripled their orders, man. <laughs> nice. WYSIWYG, A History of Computer Hacking. X-Men Grand Design, the Grand Design that started them all, including Hulk Grand Design. Can't wait Three to see what... oversized volumes of this available. Can't wait to see what your cover looks like when you put yours together, Jimmy. 
and Hip Hop Family Tree, a history of hip hop available in four treasury sized editions or two beautiful box sets. You can pick up my latest book wherever comics are sold, Hulk Grand Design Monster. This is in comic shops everywhere now with some beautiful variant covers, a retelling of the 60 year history of the Incredible Hulk and coming in April, Hulk Grand Design Madness with uh, also some beautiful cover choices here by Ed McGinnis and Jeff Darrow, as well as my cover. Again, the 60 year history of the Hulk distilled down into two very dense uh, oversized issues. Plain Jane's, the first young adult comic graphic novel here in America by Cecil Castellucci and me. And Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, which just went out of print from Image Comics, Ed. If you guys at home see Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive on your comic shop shelves, pick it up because it is no longer available for order. But the original Street Angel hardcover oversize uh these are kind of like director's cuts almost like artist editions i think they're the nicest books ever designed these are all still available from the publisher you can get them wherever books are bought and sold and now back to our regular scheduled programming i have to assume chris you get this when you're six or seven you don't have access there aren't comic shops no no i mean this is spinner rack you, you know you go to the drug fair or the newsstand you know i had a newsstand in my hometown and that was fantastic but um I didn't have access to, you know, this as source material. Right. Yeah. I didn't have the money for, like, whatever yeah, it, it would have like... cost. To... This is how you learn. You're, you're getting the new comic, and this is how they came to be. So cool that they hook you up with the, the origin, and then, like, let's give you, like, a primo piece of, uh, like, this is what Iron Man looks like now. Right, we got, right. we got to hook you make up the, with, like, a more modern tale. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's neat to think of this as Gene Colan also. You know, we talk a fair amount about Gene Colan and sing his praises and, you know, often think of Tomb of Dracula or something for Gene Colan with these moody atmospheric pencils. Also great at metal, doing Iron Man, you know, like maybe a signature character. I was about to talk about Don Heck on the origin. I was oh, yeah. like, that's some quality Don Heck. I mean, Tony Stark kind of looks like Errol Flynn, right? Absolutely, man. Bravo for adventure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Don Heck's one of those guys like I'd, I'd hear uh, mentioned very respectfully, but never quite got it until I started looking at more Golden Age. You know, probably his peak, yeah. maybe maybe his peak in terms of his enthusiasm would right, have been. Right, right. That's what I was kind of getting from that Iron Man, too. Yeah. yeah. I want to read that Douglas Wolk uh, book, uh, Reading the Marvels. What, what, what is the title of that thing, man? I can't tell you. Something about reading every, every issue of uh, every every Marvel comic up to a certain point, man. Uh, I've, I've read a bunch, you know, got access to all of that stuff at this point. And uh, down to like the months and years the the works were put out, and what you discover is it is so natural and kind of seamless how the growth of the Marvel universe occurs. It's very they're 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 testing the waters. You have Fantastic Four. It's a monster book. The big innovation is that the same characters show up in the next issue. They're a family of scientists. Uh, it's not far different from. Uh, the other monster titles that they were putting out previous to that. Uh, th we did that Stan Lee deposition. He didn't even want to have superhero costumes. He said it in the deposition, but by issue three, enough letters came in that they had to like cater to the audience. And I say all of this because we're now to the Avengers and like the way comics work now, it, it really feels like they're trying to hotshot and, 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 do a cheat code to try to like make this kind of thing happen. These were established brands that really caught fire and it makes so much sense. Like, well, let's get them all together in a natural way because you have empirical data suggesting that you got some tigers by the tail, put them all together 
see what the hell happens. I always think this is like the funniest splash page. <laughs> His nose. <laughs> it could almost be the shadow. Yeah. <laughs> How about that, man? Yeah. But yeah, you're getting these characters together because... Who's stronger, Thor or Hulk? Totally. Right? We got. I got to know this. Yeah, yeah. You know, play, playing off of like, they really did kind of take the things that were established by DC. You know, this is Superman versus Flash and a race type stuff, and uh, they expanded on it. Like, Stan and uh, uh, or uh, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, they really brought some stuff to the table. Always like this panel too of him naked and like right. sliding on pieces and parts. And that's pretty cool too. Just flying straight ahead. This is the stuff that uh, John Romita would talk about in um, in interviews, like when he first takes over Daredevil, uh, and he starts he paces it like a ro like the romance comic rhythm right. that he's used to. So he's drawing Matt Murdock like <laughs> folding clothes and stuff. And if you read in some of the credit boxes in old Daredevils. Uh, It'll say something like, Stan Lee is like, first three pages, little slow, but, you know, J the King Jack Kirby p paces the rest or just something like that. Because he needed to figure out that, that Kirby rhythm of, like, establish the thing, get to your final destination quick, because <laughs> this is what we really want. This is what the kids want. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's interesting, you talk about, like, universe stuff. Things like the Teen Brigade feel like almost a throwaway, but also... It, it's glue, mm -hmm. and it only takes a panel or two to have that glue in there. Yeah, and it's and it's trying some stuff. You know, you put that in there. See what the see what come back in the letters. Shit, maybe these are like uh, the, the 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 rookie members or something, or your little moles in the city to let the people know. Or if they're annoying, which a lot of kids hated having like other little kids interact <laughs> with superheroes. That was the death nail to certain comics. Uh, then you know you just leave you just leave them out. Which ultimately is what happened. <laughs> Kirby introducing ideas and, and, and like keeping fly imagery page after page after page. Yeah, that's that's amazing. The imagination <laughs> never <laughs> stops. <laughs> clown, clown face. <laughs> this is a fun Iron Man too. Whenever he's still in the uh, in that blocky tank like armor before he gets into the smoother red and yellow that we associate with him. The stuff that you and I had access to, Jimmy, uh, in terms of getting our hands on the, these comics were those like silver facsimile mm -hmm. editions. Yeah. Uh, those were important, you know? Yeah, they, they, they've kind of done well with that over the years. It's funny because I almost look at it and think, is it conspiratorial that you don't, that you don't keep this in they're, print? They're a team now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> Um, I'm sure that it isn't, but you know, like in my head, it's like you can keep repackaging them um, and keep selling them through comic shops, sure. as opposed to if this is always on the shelf. Yeah, but I don't think anybody was thinking that way at the time. Well, I mean, I just don't know. It makes perfect sense, really. You got a publishing company of your own. This is a licensed deal. You're getting a small little percentage. Uh, whenever something's a hit, like whenever people license stuff out and it becomes like a big hit, they're quick to want to get those rights back to. Uh, handle it on their own. There's a lot of examples of that. Ready to look at some Bill Everett? Yeah, man. You talk about licensing. This is a way for Marvel to get into the book market. Absolutely. And I never thought of it until you just said that. It's like, because if they made this book themselves, they're not going to send it to the newsstands. No, yeah. Man, oh, you yeah. always hear Wally Wood for Daredevil, but like, don't sleep on Bill Everett. Dude, think about it. It's, it's, it's Bill Everett. It's Joe Orlando. Mm. It's Wally Wood. It's John Romita. And then it's Gene Cullen for like a million years. Good pedigree. Yeah, I'll say. 
by the way, man, we like we were talking about issue ones and how uh, all that's like these are good issue ones, man. Let's get in. Yeah, let's get out. True, let's too. have a complete tale. Let's have a complete adventure. Uh, people in the comments were like, "What does one and done mean?" Each of these stories, every story in here, one and done, complete so, adventure. Set up the stakes. Set up the obstacles in each of these characters' ways. You know, we have the pacemaker stuff with Tony Stark. We have a blind superhero. As, as Frank Miller says, his one uh, feature is an impairment. These montages. Who's going to make the zine of all the great uh, <laughs> training montages in comics? Batman. This is, this is your uh, like 101 language for superhero everything. You, like, you, you have to have yeah, that. You got to do this. Yeah, man. There's no shortcut. Here we go. Establishing the senses are all the rage. I feel like it should be like a piece of pizza in his mouth or something. Right this now. is almost, uh, I feel like this is almost Batman year one sequence whenever uh batman jumps in front of that truck to save the uh the the bag lady oh yeah sure and little, obviously little homage obviously i assume miller's familiar right. with daredevil yeah, uh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> look at batlin jack murdoch love man. it love seeing those boxing scenes that's really cool pug you know the other piece with an issue one or one and done is there's an ending exactly there's there's a, there's a satisfying ending yeah it's true <laughs> this is the part that you always gotta like not only are you a great lawyer, but you're also a great seamstress. First, right, first go right. around. But he's colorblind color color though, right? <laughs> he's gonna do yellow and red. Sure looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's gonna invent a, king, a cool cane that he's swinging from. I like the big D. Yeah. I mean, it was always that double D for the uh, for my reading time. Sure. But it looks good here. Who's that one uh, goofball? Uh, villain character like dynamite man or something like he's got he's got the yellow outfit he's got a wolverine mask demon and i think it's just demon yeah <laughs> good physiognomy like you know this ain't a bad guy and you know this ain't a good guy right keep it simple stupid i got into the wally woods in the last year or so so mm. i've been picking them up oh you got those yeah and it's just it's have you read them mm. yeah it's weird where like Matt Murdock takes and like has like radio antenna installed into the horns so he can pick up, you know, cops talking to each other so he knows what's happening in the city. That's pretty clever. But it's just like, really? Okay, now he's into electronics. <laughs> <laughs> well, once he's got his costume set, you know, yeah. it's a free time. Just keep making it better. But All that right, was red man. costume too. Let's bust out a more modern issue. And this Jing, the Jing Colon era, where he's like the king of the four panels and two panel pages, stuff that Jim Shooter get razzed him about too much, man. S sent him, sent him off to DC Comics. Another example of, uh, again, not underrated exactly, but I think we don't fully appreciate Gene Colon and what he's, what he did do, what he could do. I mean, these are gorgeous looking, almost that mashup of superheroes and romance comics. Yeah. Still pretty early, you know. That guy, that guy grows leaps and bounds after a while. Good color in these. Yeah, I was just spread. gonna comment on that. That's a really good use of color. Say it before, say it again, man. You just can't take this kind of thing for granted when it comes to like old mainstream comics, or new comics. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> I try to be nice, man. <laughs> don't, you, don't be afraid to learn from these guys, <laughs> man. You gotta make sure that the, those colors never vote us, us in Eisner Award nominations any longer, man. <laughs> but the other part, it's Daredevil. He's blind. Yeah, it's it's all blue. Yeah, know? it's good. It's, you can't. Nobody can see. Colorist storytelling, man. That's but he can hear. He stuff. can hear the sound effects. Yeah, those are good sound effects, by the way. 
Yeah, it's such a classic feel in these comics going through this book. And uh, the sound effects are a part of that classic feel. Nick Fury was like one of one of my favorite uh, characters because like I was a GI Joe, you know, raised on real American hero, and he was the closest guy to to that stuff. And all kinds of Deus Ex Machina type uh, help in terms of machinery in in 007 fashion. You know, you got to have some cool wingtip shoes that have jetpacks on it and shit like this. That's a good splash page too. It is. I never I've never seen it before. I swear to God, it's crazy how there are like there's always a Kirby comic I haven't seen. And this is him bringing him into the Marvel Universe, right? Right. Yeah. Because he was a war hero in the war comics. Right. So Those... how do you repurpose him and put him in a flying car? Yeah, know? put that patch on the eye, yeah. and it, it creates it creates a storytelling moment. Like we want we want that that story. We remember him, you know, two years ago, last year, whatever, man, for, with the Howling Commandos. And there's the LMDs, right? Life model decoys. <laughs> I picked up those uh, uh, Sergeant Fury Howling Commandos like whenever I see them at, at uh, flea markets, and boy, they reprinted the same issue three, four, five times. Yeah, right. it, uh, it made me so mad. <laughs> As a youth, I always loved this thing too. This like flying H that they battle on. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bizarre piece, like, and it, and it kind of goes all the way to Fourth World and New Gods. Feels like something Orion flying around yeah. on like the. A fl- with a the, fi- the fire happening in the background, the torches. That's a bit of a throwback, I feel like, to the kind of like saboteur villains of uh, Golden Age comics. That's amazing. It yeah. is, man. Hail Hydra. That's a pretty impressive war room. Yeah, goddamn right, man. Just a lot of everybody detail. acting. Mm-hmm. All kinds of movement. Hmm. <laughs> I swear, man. Jack, Jack drew this once. I cribbed it. I seen a thousand other <laughs> cartoonists crib it. It's like he Jack does not make it easy. No. Once you create, he creates that shield helicarrier. Everybody draws it from the same view. Look, Everybody that's uses Kirby the same tech image. right there. Look how many like airplanes, <laughs> yeah, helicopters right. are flying around it. That's not safe. <laughs> that's the most Lichtenstein. Like yeah. that's right out of a or, or right into a Lichtenstein. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. The air traffic controllers were on strike. <laughs> yeah because nobody can see it that's why yeah <laughs> all right man that's a beefy ass one to the watcher right there dude it's a little upskirt yeah what, is, what is this from the the watcher story Where does I know, that that's what from? it's like we got into it and it's like whose origin is this going to further nick fury what's the headline fantastic for yeah. he, he also, also serves, serves. The Watcher's doing some serving, man. You know, the Galactus Trilogy was an important story. That's a weird addition to this book. Gotta pad it out. (laughs) It's a strange one that it even exists. Like, it's such a weird-looking comic. This color is brilliant. Yeah. But here's the thing. I don't even remember this. So as a kid, I was like, flip, 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 flip. It's not a superhero. Flip, flip, flip. Like a rocket pop. You know, those red, white, and blue rocket pop? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just marvel at this color. Who's the colorist? Do they say? Oh, they it never says. Never you know. Okay. Look, even the uh, even the the printing here off off register, like whatever they're sampling. However, that works. <laughs> the color plates just warp from time. To span the spaceways, this is the part that everybody uh, references, man. Whenever this son of origins is brought up, and whenever like who did what in the division of labor on creating some of the superheroes, because these introduction pieces, these little bumpers in between chapters are supposedly written by 
Stan Lee. So this is from Stan from 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 Stan's lips to to your eyeballs. Uh, and this part right here, you know, Exhibit A. After we discuss the plot for, are you ready for this? The Galactus Trilogy. Jack spent the next few weeks drawing the first 20-page installment. He brought it into me so that I could add uh, the dialogue and captions. I was surprised to find a brand new character floated, floating around the artwork. A silver-skinned, smooth-domed, sky-riding surfer atop a speedy flying surfboard. When I asked old Jackson who he was, <laughs> which that Jackson stuff, that's that's... That's social dynamics, right? He's calling mm-hmm. the dude outside of his name and shit like that. Like, that's some punk shit right there. Uh, who he was. Uh, Jack re- replied something to the effect that a supremely powerful gent like Galactus, a godlike giant who roamed the galaxies, would surely require the services of a herald who could serve him as an advance guard. So, establishing that Jack Kirby fully 100% created this character and added it to the mythology. Worth noting, we have a video on this issue, too, the yeah. Silver Surfer number one. So uh, anybody interested in getting into this one in, in great detail, uh, that is available. There was a backup in that issue, and I wonder if that uh, that Owatu the Watcher origin was the backup in there. You know what? That sounds really familiar. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. artwork in this thing, man. Busima's amazing on this series. I have a couple issues from the original run, and... They just look beautiful, like in a way that most comics from that era I don't think of as looking beautiful. Yetis. And uh, Buscema not draw, do, doesn't draw the Hulk all that much, so always cool whenever you get to see a John Buscema Hulk. Always mm-hmm. nails it whenever he does draw him, but no yeah, run on the book. Yeah, it's interesting because like he has that distinct style. You know what a John Buscema face looks like? And because probably how to draw comics in the Marvel way or something, like a lot of Hulk, like when I think of Hulk, his is in the top five, probably, mm-hmm. just just on the strength of that. There's a fair amount of Kirby Crackle in this piece. Oh, sure. Bisema was tasked with a with an assignment, man. Yeah. One of the standouts for this comic series, too, like, I always think the coloring's really exceptional. Yeah. And I don't know, again, at this time, who's doing what in terms of coloring and, and giving any kind of art direction for that stuff, but it feels like somebody was rise, trying to rise to the challenge. Yeah. Not a bad origin story right there, dude. Son of Origins of Marvel Comics, a comic, uh, a book that neither Jim nor I have. So Uncle Chris Pitzer comes to the kayfabe compound strapped with bounty. Had to put this one under the microscope. Important book. Yeah, definitely. I wonder how this uh, relates to like a contract with God. You yeah. know, if, if there was just something in the water where like everybody's like suddenly, how do we sell comics in bookstores? Because it's around that time. Sure. There's there's all the little stuff leading up, man. You had the mad paperbacks. You had like all those kinds of like little peanuts collections and things. Let's, let's go offset, man. Let's go. Let's get uh. Let's get colorful, and see what we can put out there, man. Uh, it seemed to do its job. Chris, thank you so much for bringing this by, man. Do you have any plugs or anything you want to put out to the universe? Well, it's still Ad House Books, so check us out on the website and all our socials. All right, K Fabers, like follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design Monster number one in comic stores everywhere if they ordered enough copies. <laughs> and uh, Hulk Grand Design Madness number one coming to your comic shops at the end of April. So uh, reserve that copy now if you haven't done so already. It's a retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk in two oversized issues. And uh, join me on patreon.com slash jimrug. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue number one and two on the stands as we speak. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in the Red, Red Room universe. Uh, banned in 26 countries. Banned at seven comic shops. 
Uh, you'll be able to find these comics at my links in the link tree in the description below. You could order them online. Thanks for everybody supporting the book. And if you want to read those pages today without, uh, you know, venturing out, go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash edpiscor, three bucks for the archive there. Put up new strips every Tuesday, and there are more than 200 pages uh, of comics on the, in the archive as, as we speak. Hit up my link tree in the description below. You'll be able to get to all those uh, links. Uh, what else, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.